0: so many traditions in Christmas. And in the remaining time I have with you, I want to take a little bit of time launching into this series talking about traditions from a zoomed out perspective. I want to talk a little bit about traditions uh, because there are many people who uh, who maybe have a negative perspective of traditions when it comes to traditions of the church. Uh, especially in charismatic circles, uh, I'll hear a lot of negative perspectives on liturgy, um, just different traditions that the church has walked in. And this morning, I think it would be very good of us to dig into God's word and ask him, God, what's your perspective on traditions? Do you have a perspective on traditions? Do you have thoughts on the traditions that we celebrate during Christmas? What are your thoughts? So in order to do that, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, well, what is traditions really mean? What does it mean when we say, oh, I love celebrating this tradition? What does it mean when we say the word tradition? In 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Paul says this, so then brethren stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Some translations actually take that word traditions and they drop teachings in. But the Life and the Spirit New Testament commentary has a little bit to say about it, and I just want to read it to you. The noun translated teachings is paradosis, which literally means a handing over, hence a tradition from some uh, for some Christians in evangelical circles the idea of traditions is a negative one smacking of lifeless formalism and dead Orthodoxy. The fact that Paul uses the term so positively should force one to reconsider. And really that's all I'm asking for this morning. As we jump into this season that is rife with traditions, I want to invite you to consider and for some of us to reconsider our perspectives, our understanding of what traditions are. And in order to do this, as I said, we have to understand what is a tradition. Oxford Dictionary translates tradition as this, it's the transmission of customs or beliefs from one generation to the next generation. Already, you know, I think sometimes we get limited in our understanding of what traditions are. We think it's just a form, something that we do over and over again. It's like a habit. It's just something every Christmas we just give gifts. But in actuality, even Oxford's dictionary says it is the transmission of a belief from one generation to the next. It's not just something that we do, but when I have children, it is something that I I am, I am investing into, I'm passing something on to my kids through traditions. Traditions are a, a method of passing something on to our kids. It's never limited to just ourselves. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap. Webster's 1828 dictionary says that traditions are the delivery. It's the act of delivering into the hands of another, the delivery of opinions, doctrines, practices, rights and customs from father to son, from ancestors to posterity. Here we see again this generational nature of tradition, even in the definition of the word. And then there is the Greek word that we heard just a moment ago, paradosis, the Greek word in the New Testament translated as tradition. The lexicon says this, it says, giving up or giving over a giving over which is done by word of mouth or in writing, tradition by instruction, narrative, precept, etc. But I think this is where really the rubber meets the road. It's objectively that which is delivered, a substance of a teaching. I wanna to submit to you this morning that traditions are at their core a vehicle or a form through which the substance or the heart of a teaching is transferred. So traditions are less about doing and performing a method and more about receiving and giving deeper meanings of truth. That's what traditions really are all about. They're about us receiving a deeper meaning. See, so the tradition of giving gifts is not just about giving or receiving gifts. It's about receiving a deeper meaning of truth into my life and then investing that into the lives of my children who will in turn, when they have children, invest that same truth of the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift of freedom that Jesus purchased for us, investing that into the next generation and generation after generation after generation. Truth is being transferred. That's what traditions originally were meant to be. Traditions are a method by which we receive truth and transfer truth to our tradition. And it reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world. The NIV says to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how is our mind renewed except by the truth? So then this is what we can understand about traditions, that traditions are a way of not being conformed into the pattern of this world. The traditions of the church, the traditions of the Bible, the traditions of Christians are a way of not being conformed into the pattern of this world, but in fact, to be made into the pattern by which we receive truth and renew our minds. Traditions are are a way, excuse me, of inculcating truth in our hearts and lives and then transmitting that truth on. Tradition, the tradition of hanging hanging Christmas lights, for example, then is no longer about pretty lights or making us feel good, which it does, but it's something, or it's not even something that we just always do. How many of you ever had a tradition that way? You don't know why you do it, but man, it's fun, so we just do it. But I think when we understand the true heart and even the biblical understanding of traditions, it becomes something more. The tradition of hanging lights becomes a vehicle through which we remember the light of Christ that has illuminated our darkness. The lights on our houses become a physical representation of how we ourselves are to be lights in this world. How many of you have ever driven around in your car just so you could see the lights on the houses? What if, what if Christianity was always meant to be the same way? That the world would seek it, just seek it out because they want to see the light. As Jesus said, you are the light of the world. See, where we run into trouble is when the truth of a tradition is separated from the actions of a tradition. When traditions become habits divorced of of the substance of teaching. This is the first step to religious activity and dead orthodoxy. When we're doing without understanding why we're doing it. When we just get on the treadmill and run and have no idea why we were on the treadmill in the first place. I think this is the reason for which Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15 when he said, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. What's, what is Jesus saying? He says you've taken tradition, you've separated the truth of God's word from your tradition, and then you've elevated above the truth that it was always meant to communicate. and we and you know we see this principle at work the way of honor has become the object of honor the tradition of worship has become the object of worship and we see this in the schism between churches in the how or in the tradition of worship or what services are supposed to be like. We see these schisms, these these arguments manifest. Why? Because we have lost the meaning that God was trying to give to us through particular traditions, and we've elevated that up so so as to be more important than the truth. I think this is evident in our own lives when... We can't worship because a method is not in accordance with our preference. I think we we have a poor worldly view of tradition when we can't worship God because the way, the tradition, the form of the worship does not line up with what I feel is good or what I want to see or what I think is right. I see this, I love visiting my in-laws in South Carolina. Erin's parents are, well, her father is a pastor, a Methodist pastor, and the Methodist tradition is, I mean, just think of the name, Methodism. The whole idea is that they they, they put great faith in tradition, in the traditions of the church. I was talking to Ben, my father-in-law, and he said to me on the phone, he said, well, there's four ways that the, it's called the Methodist quadrilateral. I said, wow, you sound so smart. What does that mean? Please teach me. And he said, he said, gladly, he said, basically, there are four things that we use in order to help us identify truth. Number one, it's scripture. Number two, experience. You know, number three, and he said, it's the traditions. The traditions of the church help us identify truth. Why? Because traditions were always meant to be the vehicle that carried truth into our lives. And into the lives of those around us, but I've heard so many people, you know, and you know, I love going to the services and 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 sitting through his service, and they always go through the same liturgies, you know, and and they have a response, a time of response. This is the word of God for you. Thanks be to and the people respond. They say thanks be to God. There's no nobody needs to necessarily uh, be prompted because it's just tradition. They know. But what if you were sitting in that service and you knew that by participating, the, ver- the words of my mouth, there's something that happens. How many of you know by participating verbally with what's going on in the service, there is a release of God's power in your life? Amen, when Pastor Jade gets up here and says, come on, somebody needs to say amen. What is he doing there? Is it just because he wants to be cheered on? Well, some, some, every preacher wants to be cheered on. I know I do. Y'all are quiet this morning. But what, I, I, I mean, right? But, but there's also a spiritual dynamic and a principle of coming into alignment. And then speaking that word into the atmosphere, I am coming into alignment with the word that's proceeding from the pulpit. And it is releasing something in my life. So when I sit now, understanding that tradition and the truth and the purpose of that tradition, what a tradition is, I can sit in that service and I can say, thanks be to God when they read the scripture with everyone else. And because I know why I'm saying it, there is faith that activates that power of God in my life. Traditions, understanding traditions this way transforms our understanding. It makes me look at all the different traditions and say, God, I wanna participate in all these things. Every tradition becomes an opportunity to to encounter God. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if traditions were a method of communicating truth, that means there is Jesus to be found in our traditions. And that's the reason for the season, so to speak. You know, and, and the truth is this, this, this elevation of the tradition over the truth. Can it not be said today that Christmas has become the same? People now, they don't believe in Jesus, they don't, and yet they still participate in the traditions of Christmas, the giving of the gifts. Isn't it interesting? Many people will even go to the tradition of a candlelight service, why? They don't. They don't love Jesus. They don't. But they go. It's a tradition. They participate. And and I think sometimes, and this is this is where the deception begins to set in because we've participated in a tradition. We think we're okay because we participated in the action of a tradition. Because I lit a candle on Christmas Eve, I'm a Christian. This morning, I want you to consider that. Possibly traditions are more than that. They're more than just doing. They're more than just performing. And they're definitely more than performing. They're definitely more for our children. I had no idea the generational nature of traditions when I began preparing this sermon. I had no idea. But if you think about, if you think about traditions, traditions, the very nature of it is, means it's being passed down. It's something generations behind. My, my grandfather or my great-grandfather in the Christian faith for thousands of years now, there is a tradition that reflects the truth of God. And as I was meditating on this, and I, I just, this is, I didn't put this in my notes. In fact, I took it out, but I'm here and I just, I'm gonna say it. You know, the thing that I think about is that there is a synergy. Dutch Sheets preached a sermon. He's a former pastor. He preached a sermon called the Synergy of the Ages that when people prayed all throughout the ages, that that, those words are eternal. Those prayers are eternal and they come together and provide greater power as we come into alignment with those prayers. Traditions provide the same thing. The, the salvific nature of Jesus Christ is being celebrated in Christmas. And as we come into alignment with that, with that tradition, there is greater power being released in the earth for God's salvation. The problem is, is that we cast aside our traditions disparagingly, thinking that traditions means religious activity. Are still with me this morning? Traditions are not necessarily negatively religious in nature. The negative or positive nature of traditions is contingent upon our heart and the understanding and application of traditions. People love the tradition of weddings. They love it. Why is it, for the most part, you don't, often hear people walk out of a marriage ceremony saying, "Well, that was just religious." They always do that with the ring, you know. They they always just get up there, they have the pastor pray for them and sickness and health. That's so religious. Why why not? Why do people I mean the vast majority of people don't say that. And you know why? It's because their heart is grafted into the meaning of that ceremony, that tradition. So, I think the greatest question we can ask ourselves as we walk into this season is why? Why do we sing carols? Lord, why Advent? Why Christmas trees? Lord, why? Why? What is the truth that you're communicating to me and my children, and my children's children, and my children's children's children? Why? Why do we give gifts? You know, the Bible is filled with the institutions of tradition. Communion is a tradition. Did you know that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions, just as I delivered them to you. 20 verses later, in verse 23, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And he goes into teaching on the tradition of communion. And in fact, he says later, he says, be careful that you don't take this in an unworthy manner. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to take communion in an unworthy manner if not taking communion in a religious way? He goes on to say, every person must examine his heart examine your, why are you taking communion? The Sabbath is a tradition. My wife was reading this book and I can't remember, <laughs> man, guys, you know what I'm talking about. She's like, oh, let me share this book with you. And you're like, oh, okay. And you're just nodding. <laughs> and she told me the title and the author and all that. And I was like, "Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I have no idea what she what, what book it's called, but, I remember the concept. <laughs> I remember the concept. And, and this, is what Jesus, uh, this is what Aaron says. She read this to me. She says, when we first begin to honor the Sabbath, it's a remembering to rest. When we first pursue to honor the Sabbath, it's like we're cutting out a day and say, okay, I'm going to remember this is my day of rest. But as we mature in our understanding of the Sabbath, it becomes a resting to remember. It becomes a resting to Remember. Sabbath is a tradition in which we stop to remember and to ask God. The feasts found in Leviticus, the seven feasts, the Passover feasts, the feasts of Unleavened Bread, the feasts of first, these are all traditions that God set in place for his people. As we close in the last few minutes I have with you, I wanna, I wanna give to you the three different, what I believe, Three different purposes that traditions fulfill in our lives. The power of a spirit-filled tradition. Number one, spirit-filled traditions release transforming power. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I mentioned earlier, traditions become the vehicle in which truth is delivered into our lives. And if we participate in that, then our minds are being renewed by that truth. So traditions, if the spirit-filled tradition releases transforming power in our lives. Number two, spirit-filled traditions release persevering power. Spirit-filled traditions release persevering power. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15 says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold. The Greek word, krateo, it means to hold fast, not discard, don't let go, to keep carefully and faithfully. So then, brothers, stand, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Life in the Spirit, New Testament Commentary speaks of this and says, The imperative stand firm is a typical component of Paul's exhortations, expressing great passion for his converts. He longs to see them fight the good fight of faith. He can bear no casualties. Paul gives the Thessalonians one of the most integral strategies for standing firm. Hold to the traditions we passed on to you. Hold to... When we don't know what to do, do the traditions. Fasting is a tradition. And when you're walking through a difficult time, I think there is a truth in in, in fasting and the tradition of fasting that is released in our lives when we pursue God in that tradition. When we don't have the strength, do the traditions. And don't just do them, but seek God for the heart that is being passed on in that tradition. And I believe it releases persevering power. If you're going through a difficult time, don't, forget, don't, for, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. What we're doing here right now is a tradition. And, and the author of Hebrews says, don't, don't forsake the gather. If you don't know where to go and you don't know how you're gonna make it, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Traditions release a persevering power. Finally, the third thing, spirit-filled traditions release experiential power. This is very important for us as Christians today. I believe that God's power is not an intellectual concept to be talked about but an experience to be grasped, breathed in, day in and day out. The power of God was always meant to be experiential in our lives. The way this works is, you know, traditions are a method of remembering. So if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul's talking about communion, I'm just going to read this to you, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you." Here's the tradition: Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." New life, the life in the uh, Spirit New Testament commentary speaks of this and says, As believers participate in the Lord's Supper, they are to recall the meaning of his death and be edified by doing so. But note that Jesus said in remembrance of me, not in remembrance of my death. This suggests that do this in remembrance of me includes remembering his resurrection as well. This remembrance is more than an intellectual exercise. It involves a realization and experiencing of that what is remembered. God commands his people time and time again, remember, set up this altar so that when you're walking by it with your child, Your child asks you and says, what is that there for? And you can together remember. But it's not a remembering that is just an intellectual exercise. It's a remembering that invites us to experience God's power in the reason that that altar was created. So here we are in the in the, in the tradition of communion, we are remembering the, 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 the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus took upon himself our death. And by resurrecting from the grave, he makes life available to us. And it's not an intellectual exercise now as I participate in this tradition. I get to experience the power of God. There may be death in my body, but I can put that off because God rose him from the grave and I can participate and experience that same power in me. That is the power of spirit-filled tradition. That's what we are invited into as we participate in the traditions of Christmas. Experiencing God's power today through what he's already done in the past. That's what remembering really is. That's what traditions are really about. It's about experiencing God's power today through what he has already done. As we walk into the rest of this series, we're going to talk about the traditions of sound. How many of you know there are traditions in the church that are centered around the sound. God's voice had been silent for 400 years. And all of a sudden the sound, that silence was broken by the sound of a baby's voice. And there are traditions. Angels showed up to the, to the, to the shepherds in the field and they broke into song. The tradition of caroling. But there's more to it than just singing songs. We're gonna be talking about the traditions of light. Light traditions that are centered. Why do we hang lights on our why do we have a lighted Christmas tree? Why do we put a star on top? The star provided light. why? Because we are connecting with the power of God to dispel darkness and gifts. I want to challenge you this morning as I in closing. We're walking into a lot of different traditions, and we've already participated. Thanksgiving. And all the traditions therein, there's Christmas, there's New Year's, there's so many different traditions that we are going to be participating in. And I want to challenge you, I want to invite you to experience God's power in the tradition. And cast off the mantle of religious or dead orthodoxy as a weakness of the flesh, not a weakness of tradition. Heavenly Father, this morning, I just pray that you would bless us. Would you just bring us to a place where we understand your biblical perspective on traditions and thereby experience your purpose and power in traditions. Lord, I pray this morning we would be changed. We, we, this season be a different season as a result. This season be a different season as a result of this understanding. God, we don't wanna just go through the motions. We want to, God, join you in the elaborate dance that celebrates your son as he was birthed into the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.